Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. I'll be joined today by Daniel Lemon, and we're going to talk about online reviews and how to deal with bad and fraudulent reviews. By the way, if you want to reach out to me via email, podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com will go directly to my inbox. And with that, let's transition to this week's brand new discovery. After untangling a school of anacondas, look what Michael Stelzner found. You ever go to those online websites where you see counters and it says like the sale ends in this many days and this many minutes and this many seconds? Are you wondering what that app is or how you could do something like that? Well, what intrigued me about this is I was listening to a podcast and I was listening to some split tests that were done where they um, were able to test um, sales pages that had countdown timers and those that did not. And indeed, those with the countdown timers converted at a much higher percentage than those that did not. So I started experimenting quite some time ago with countdown timers uh, while we were promoting social media marketing world. And actually, it did make a difference. So I was pretty excited. And in the process of getting ready for that, I did a lot of research and I, I tried to find what I thought was the best tool out there. And by the way, just in case you're ever wondering, nobody ever pays me to mention tools on this show. This is stuff that I find or that we find that we think are exciting. So you don't ever have to think about this as an advertisement because it's not. This is actually just me giving you something that I think is valuable. So after doing a lot of research, I found this cool website called countdownmonkey.com. And what Countdown Monkey does is basically what you think it does is it allows you to create those countdown timers and it allows you to create all sorts of different countdown timers. It allows you to have different font sizes on them, have different kinds of countdown timers like the little flick, flick, flick that you might see. Um, if you're watching um, a countdown, maybe on like a scoreboard versus the way they flip if you're watching them in your dashboard on your car, you know, where they're rolling. So they have all sorts of different special effects. You can control the colors, the font sizes and all that kind of stuff. And what's really cool about this particular uh, one called Countdown Monkey is you can also, uh, it comes with a WordPress plugin that creates a short code. So you can very easily add these into your sidebar widgets, to your sales pages. And another cool feature is it allows you to hide the counter once the time is up. So let's just say that you set a sale to end at midnight, but you fell asleep and you forgot to 
you know, um, uh, be there at midnight. Well, the countdown timer will just disappear. So if you come at 1205 or whatever, it won't say zero. It'll just literally disappear. Um, I've been really, really happy with Countdown Monkey. Uh, it does. It's not free. As of this recording, it's $79 a year um, to get access to uh, that. And I think they do have a month to month kind of a kind of a program as well. But if you think about it, spending 70 or 80 bucks to add a, a sense of urgency and the idea that this sale is coming to an end, maybe that could lead to a couple extra sales and pay for itself. So check it out, countdownmonkey.com. I've been using it with great success and um, it's really cool. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And with that, let's transition over to today's interview with Daniel Lemon. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm very excited to be joined today by Daniel Lemon. If you don't know who Daniel is, he's the founder of One Good Brand. He's also a strategist for Convince and Convert. And he's author of the brand new book, Manipulated. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So today, Daniel and I are going to explore how you, your business, how you deal with online reviews that aren't necessarily what you were expecting. Maybe they're bad, maybe they're negative, maybe they're even fraudulent. That's what we're going to talk about today. So Daniel, let's start with how in the world did you get to the point where you decided to write a book on this topic? What led you to you know, that there's got to be a backstory to all this. To ratings and reviews. Of all things in the world, why ratings and reviews? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, well, here's a funny thing. So I have a long history with reviews, uh, kind of the ratings and reviews business. I actually started my career way back when at Google on their corporate marketing team. And uh, back then, I kind of saw the emergence of what we kind of as an industry came to call black hat SEO guys, you know, right. the, those evil sort of evil doers who live in the shadows of the internet. And they actually sort of started to intersect with the ratings and reviews business, which is kind of how I, I started piecing some things together. Uh, the book itself started as a, uh, a conversation with a friend of mine in Los Angeles where I live, uh, uh, Bobby Boaz. And he, he had a, a hair salon, uh, pretty typical. He, he kind of typifies the, the small business owner. He's doing everything, right? Like HR and marketing and appointments, everything uh, for his salon. And he started to have this kind of series of experiences with reviews 
And and my experience with these sort of black hat SEO guys and sort of the knowledge of when that developed in 2000, roughly in 2005 is kind of when that industry started, uh, probably even before that, it started to kind of come back to me and I thought, this this feels awfully familiar. Like the same game is being played here. It's the same players. They're just, they've shifted tactics. And so I thought this this is really... It's something a lot of large businesses get. They get how to kind of manage this stuff. But the typical small and medium business owner, they just don't quite understand the dynamics of this industry and the way it, the reasons it behaves kind of the way it does. And most importantly, kind of the players who in many cases are those, those dirty, you know, shadowy characters that we call black hat SEO folks. They, they shifted tactics because that doesn't work anymore. Uh, and a lot, in a lot of cases they're doing, uh, ratings and reviews related business now. And so I, I, it kind of came out of that, an evolution of that conversation with my friend Bobby. And, uh, and that was the point I decided this is, this is something I think business owners need to understand and, and hear about uh, in this context. It's just, it's a way of looking at reviews that hasn't, I don't think has been done before. For those that don't know what black hat means, tell us a little bit about that prior part of your life and what were some of the crazy things that people were doing back then? Just because I think that might be some good groundwork. You bet. It is actually really good groundwork. So if you uh, even have kind of the basic fundamental understanding of of the SEO industry, you know, there's kind of this dynamic of inbound links, uh, particularly on Google, uh, sort of the, the uh, Google's preference for things like inbound links uh, and keywords on a page, all of those, those kinds of things. Uh, there are legitimate ways to make that work well and you know, help your, your search engine rankings. There's also illegitimate ways of doing that. And in, in industry parlance, that distinction is either white hat, which is the good stuff, or black hat, which is the, the evil, illegitimate stuff. And uh, that, that's sort of the history of it. Uh, those tactics have shifted to the ratings and reviews business, uh, which I think we'll get into a little bit, but that was the, that's kind of the distinction between black and white hat SEO. So, I mean, back in the, I mean, what are some of the things that black hat people might do just so somebody knows if they see it? I mean, like, is it pretty, is it subtle? I mean, do you not realize what's happening or, I mean, I, I just, I'm curious. I mean, you know, give us an example if you could, maybe it's not something people do today, but what were people doing back then? Yeah. A really common, a very common tactic is the, sort of people selling black hat SEO services would create a network of sites that agreed to link to each other. And so one might be an auto an auto review site, another might be a pet product review site, another might be auto parts review site, you know, uh, somewhat related categories, but they would start creating these massive amounts of, of links to each other's content. Hmm. Uh, they're link farms is what they came to be known as. And Google eventually got very wise to that and said, hey, uh, we're kind of picking up on the fact that this is all garbage, right? This is, it's, it's just there to trick people and to trick our computers. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of those practitioners stopped kind of doing those things like link farms. But that's just one, one tactic that was very popular for a period of time. You know, part of what I think about is also bloggers, comments. You know, you hear yep. so many bloggers that shut down their comments because of this crazy spam stuff is this also are these kind of the same characters 
doing. Same, yeah, exactly. They it, they shape shift as as Google and Bing and the the engineers behind them get a little bit smarter. They they change tactics, and so eventually, where Google ended up, uh, one of the signals they were trying to fight back the impact of these guys. I mean, they they were having a, at one point a almost devastating impact on the quality of Google's search results. Right. And if you remember that period of time, you might have even remembered how bad Google's search results started to get. You might, you know, just kind of think, you know, doing a search for a, a cell phone or, you know, an auto part, you would get a lot of junk in your search results. Uh, and so one of the things that Google, the engineers discovered was this concept of, they called it, came to call it freshness. Uh, which is really just a fancy word for how often it, the content on a page is updated. And what they found was that became a good signal to uh, to consider and kind of to include, to fight back some of the the impact of these other things like link farms. So they, they started looking at how frequently content on a page was updated. And lo and behold, that's right around the same time Yelp launched. <laughs> that was in 2005. And so uh, it was just sort of good timing for Yelp and also for TripAdvisor and some of those other class of sites. They really prey on freshness, right? They they are a freshness engine just by their very kind of nature. And so Google came to love Yelp in part because it's got tons of fresh content. Uh, and that that's really where these rating and review platforms kind of merged with the, the shadowy SEO characters, they, those, the SEO industry started to see, hey, there's opportunity here for us to continue influencing, uh, basically tricking consumers. We just have to use these new platforms like Yelp. So I, I'm going to ask a very s- simple question, but I don't know if the answer is very simple. Why are online reviews so important? I know that you know many of us as consumers might think about Amazon, like I think of Amazon, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, I understand in the Amazon context why it's so important, but why is it so important to businesses and marketers? What are your thoughts on that? Well, this is a, it's a funny question because, I mean, really, why are reviews so important? We you can look at the data. I mean, the 90 plus percent of consumers say that they trust reviews as much as they trust their friends and family, which to me is crazy. Like who... Who trusts these reviews as much as you would trust your mother or your brother? <laughs> right. And yet, it basically, it's everyone. Everyone says, we believe these things to be useful uh, to, some, to some degree, and we make decisions based on these reviews. And so certainly for a business owner, they're getting the vast majority of their, at least their prospective customers, maybe not their current, but their prospective customers are filtering through these review sites. So... I'm going to guess why I think it's important and why those studies show that people trust them like they trust their family. My guess is that there is some sort of implied psychological principle probably written about in one of Cialdini's books, you know, Hmm. social proof probably, right? The idea that if a number of other people, whether we know them or not, seem to um, hold a common... Uh, view of something, we just assume that that is what the reality of it is, right? And I'm guessing an online review could make or break a restaurant, 
um, or any other kind of service business. Am I wrong or right? I'm curious. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, and not necessarily just one review, but the the presence of of the review industry can make or break, particularly uh, a small business. They don't really have uh, you know all of the the tools and the the techniques that a Chipotle might have, right? Right. What what are the major review sites, in your opinion, that um, businesses ought to be thinking about? It well, that's really interesting because everyone assumes everyone assumes Yelp matters, and that that's kind of a it's a it's like the eight hundred pound gorilla, and in many ways it does. It matters to a lot of businesses. Uh, what I found was in talking to business owners for this book that when we started looking at, I kind of described a process to them and said, you know, let's, let's really figure out if Yelp matters. I, I, just as, a, as an exercise, are you actually getting your customers from Yelp or are, we, are you just assuming that, that that's kind of a, an important site? And for a lot of businesses, actually, Yelp is not the most important source of customers. A lot of, it depends on the category. In travel and tourism, I have one example in the book that it's this little company in Newport Beach. They they run a gondola. It's called Gondola Adventures. They run a, a gondola business in the Newport Harbor. Uh, it's a bit super specialized. Right? I mean, gondola business. Uh, the guy who runs it is actually called. I don't gondola. even know if I know what a gondola is. What the heck is it? Well, you know, you'd go to Venice and you get those big long boats with the the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I got it, got it, got it. So they they've recreated that whole experience in Newport. Uh, in Newport Beach, and the the guy who runs it, just a funny aside, he is a uh, he's like the patriarch of the gondola industry. Huh. And first of all, I didn't even realize that there is a gondola industry, <laughs> but there is. Huh. And uh, and this guy, he kind of goes by the the name Gondola Greg. <laughs> anyway, so we, we just I was discussing this with him, and they what they said was, yeah, Yelp matters. Yeah, we get we do get a lot of customer referrals from Yelp, but actually TripAdvisor is their, their big. You know, I was just going to ask about TripAdvisor because, um, my guess is that that's like, like, you know, we went, uh, I think we went to one of the Hawaiian islands and we found some really cool stuff on TripAdvisor. Yeah. And, um, I'm guessing Yelp is probably like, probably because when you're traveling, that's the, that's the one you think of, you know, when you're going to a place and you're planning out a vacation, Yep. Um, and Yelp would would seem to be more for the local marketplace where you've decided you want to try something new. I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I think that's what it comes down to. And Yelp, you know, it selects for a, a, a particular type of consumer. I don't myself really use it that much. Uh, I tend to use TripAdvisor more frequently. Uh, and, and so it, it has a different kind of consumer type, I think, as well. But the use case is a little bit different. Well, and you know, I mean, Google does this as well. And I'm imagining in almost every industry, you've got this kind of stuff, even in podcasts, right? I mean, there's people that are rating and reviewing this podcast. Um, Maybe you're a dentist. Maybe there's dentist reviews. Maybe your kids go to a private school. There's probably sites that review private schools. So I'm I'm imagining that there's there's an endless option of review sites that are out there for any particular business. Is that right? Yeah. And what you're going to see is because Google really favors this type of content, it, it, it helps. It's basically a new SEO tactic that pretty much every site is adding some form of rating and review component. So even non, we would, wouldn't typically think of a site as a rating and review site. They're adding ratings and reviews to their site. 
because they know Google. Google likes it when they do that. Uh, and it, it's really interesting. One of the most interesting facts I learned when I was researching this book is, is the importance of Google to Yelp. And, you know, you would assume Google matters to Yelp. But in fact, they get something like 75% of their monthly traffic from Google. Wow. 75%. So that, to me, was shocking. Yeah, you would think everybody would be using the the, the app, the mobile app. Yeah. Well, you make Papa Google happy. Yeah. (laughs) He returns the favor. So that's kind of, that's what we're seeing. And you even see probably a lot of hotel sites like Starwood Hotels and Hilton. They've added reviews to their site because, well, consumers like it, but Google also likes it. So let's say that I um, uh, handle marketing for um, a business that maybe has a local establishment. Are there is there an easy way for me to track reviews? Um, are there any apps? Are there any tools? Uh, what's your thoughts on how to keep track of this kind of stuff? Because I would imagine that's got to be part of the solution here, right? Is to know what in the world is being said about your business, right? Yeah, you bet. I mean, there's kind of the elbow grease way, which is do it yourself and go, you go to Yelp or you go to TripAdvisor and you kind of do it manually. And that's that's viable. I mean, that, that can work. Uh, it, it requires a lot of time to do that, but it can work. Uh, but of course, there all is a whole upstart community of uh, cottage community or a cottage industry, I guess you'd say, of, of companies doing this. So a couple of them that come to mind, uh, there's one called Review Trackers. Uh, Review Trackers is is in the business of doing exactly that. They kind of monitor reviews, show you the star rating, comments, and that kind of thing. Is it spelled just like you think it's spelled, or is it one of those ones that's got a weird spelling? No, they it's it's spelled very logically. And the, another one, Review Push, also spelled very logically. Gotcha. Then there's a whole class of you know companies doing that. Very cool. It's it's pretty typical like freemium kind of service. So so I'm I'm imagining that those basic. Um, web-based services or apps will be um, scouring one or a few of the major review sites and watching for those reviews um, and then notifying you somehow like via email or something like that? Yep. Very cool. So um, let's get to the, let's now transition a little bit. Now that we've kind of set the stage talking about, you know, first of all, why do reviews matter and um, the different kinds of apps and tools that are out there. Let's talk about the dark side of this, right? Which is really what mm-hmm. your book is all about. Um, I want to start with why are people, and I'm assuming they're written by people. I mean, I guess bots. <laughs> why are fake reviews created? What's the purpose for that? Hmm. This is a really, really interesting question. And there are a couple of different layers to it. So uh, you may remember a couple of weeks ago, Amazon filed a uh, unprecedented lawsuit against 1,100 people for, uh, they, they accused these 1,100 kind of anonymous people of selling reviews for profit on Amazon. Mm. Uh, and they, they operate on this site called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that, and the business model of that site is you charge five bucks for something. Right. And in their case, it's, it's, it's to write reviews. And so, okay, th- there's money to be made there, but it's not, I don't think a ton of money, to be honest with you. I actually interviewed uh, a young lady uh, for for my book who writes reviews for a living. She's she's a college graduate. She studied you know public PR and communications. Fake, fake reviews or real reviews? She, 
fake reviews. Well, well what's the distinction? <laughs> well, I mean, like, like here's a slight distinction. There are, there are, there are guys and gals on Amazon that are like the top 100 book reviewers, you know, and, yep. and, and they do that for prestige, you know what I mean? Yep. And they're legit. They read the books. Yep. But, um, so, so what did this woman tell you? I mean, what was her motivation to do this? She, uh, she, it's just a, it's a opportunistic thing. She kind of fell into it a little bit. She was doing it for fun initially. And then she started making some money at it. She had businesses contacting her and say, Hey, will you, will you write us, you know, Yelp review or a, an Amazon review for our product? And so she started selling this stuff on Fiverr and, and now makes her living doing just this. And actually, it's really hard. I looked at a lot of her reviews. It's very difficult to distinguish her review from one that I might write. She's very good, uh, but they, she's being paid by the company to do it. Okay, so that that's intriguing. That kind of reminds me of people that have Wikipedia pages, right? That are they 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 pay someone to create a Wikipedia page, and Wikipedia came down and said, "No, you can't do that. It's got to be curated by the the, the community or the public or whatever." Um, but in this case, in this particular example, someone is writing a fake review because maybe they have a restaurant or something and they want to look good. And um, that's what I hear you saying, right? But I'm curious about the flip side of it. Are there people that hire people to write fake reviews on other people's web uh, companies? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like yep. there's a competitor across the street and I want to slam them. I mean, is that part of this industry as well? That's part of it. That, certainly that's part of it. She'll, she'll write in a review. You know, if you if you give her the context and the product and the content, she'll do it for you. Uh, she she has a little bit higher ethical standard than some, but she'll do anything gotcha. uh, on the review side. But it, you know, the this is where the shadowy black hat SEO people come back into the mix. Actually, uh, there there was this scam that went around a group of photographer friends of mine, like kind of wedding photographer type type folks in. In the, in the Bay Area, uh, where I used to live, and they uh, they all started getting contacted. It was it's kind of a complex scheme, but what basically happened is they got an inquiry through their website that said, "Hey, I'm interested in booking you for my daughter's bat mitzvah or whatever." Right, and I you know I just want to know what your your rates are and are you available? Very generic, a very generic inquiry, and any photographer would say, "Sure, you know, here's my information." Uh, and so they would reply to this to this uh, email address, and what that signaled to the company that sent the email is this is actually a business. It's not you know a fake business. It's a, it's a real photographer. And so a couple weeks later, they got another email from that same person, and the and that email said something to the effect of, uh, you know, I I decided not to hire you or we changed the date of the thing, but uh, I just wanted to let you know, I, I work in the online reputation business, and I heard there was this, this scam going around with some photographers that, that people were trying to threaten them with, with bad reviews. If that ever happens to you, I know how to get rid of it. And so you can just contact me. I'll make it go away. That was kind of the, the tone of that that email. Oh my gosh! I can so see. Now, I, I know where this is going. Yeah. And so now it plants the seed in the in the photographer's mind. Like, huh? I never heard that before. That's kind of weird, you know. Uh, lo and behold, a few weeks later, completely out of the blue, you yeah, you can see where this is going. Like a fake review would show up, or 
they would get threatened with a fake review and who are they going to call but this magical you know unicorn who's willing to make it go away so that that kind of thing happened and who who are the companies doing that it's these creepy black hat seo folks who found a new way to make money huh. and it's and it's disgusting but it you know it's it's important to know that this thing will keep coming back up yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen emails like that before too. I mean, it's like I can't even remember the nature of them, but sometimes they're not so polite. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. they're like, if you don't pay this much money by this date, we are going to um, we're going to we're going to do the following. You know, kind of like we're gonna we're gonna put up all these bad things, and you pay, and we'll stop. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you if you're running a business like McDonald's, you see that and you think I don't care. Go ahead and do it. You know, we have a global brand, right? But if you if you're a, a wedding photographer in a even a mid-sized city, your livelihood's on the line. Like this, that could really damage you, and you don't have that resource. So it it particularly affects kind of small medium businesses because they they are more more uh, I think vulnerable than than a larger business might be. Okay, so so far we've talked about a couple different scenarios. We've talked about the the business that is hiring someone to write a review probably mostly favorable, but it's not true. Um, and there's people out there that do that kind of garbage. And then we've also talked about the the, the, the bait and switch kind of person, right, that you just mentioned, which is like, hey, um, I'm not going to hire you, but hey, in case anything ever happens, here's my number. <laughs> and sure enough, something happens. And it just so happens that one person is behind the entire thing. You know, what other, what other kind of scenarios are typically going on uh, from the side of you know being manipulated or as you say manipulated, manipulated, yeah. Well, th- those are the the two most sinister ones, uh, and and that I think is the the one extreme of the industry. But the, then there's this whole perceived other kind of sinister component, uh, and to be honest with you, I don't necessarily believe it to be true, but a lot of a lot of businesses. Uh, make cl- claims against Yelp in particular that they extort them. They say, you know, they'll, they'll call them and say, "Hey, unless you pay us, we're not gonna, right? We're not gonna allow good reviews." Uh, and I think some of that just comes down to perception. But there certainly is this, this sort of conflict of interest thing at play. Like, is Yelp really? Do they really have business owners' best interest in mind? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I. I don't think that they're sinister, but I also don't think they fight that hard to prevent this from happening. Uh, they're not at the end of the day they're they're in the business of getting web traffic and advertising money. So let me ask you this question. Is it less likely that let's just say I own a local restaurant. Is it less likely that I'm going to have a bunch of fake reviews on there that are negative um that I have no clue where they came from or is it you know, with, without having that um, solicitation from someone, you know, that, that says, hey, I can help you remove those? Yep. Or are there actually like people out there kind of like, if you will, the mafia of the industry where they're just going to go ahead and they're going to they're gonna flood your reviews with all these negative reviews to try to bring down your average rating? I mean, is that something that legitimately happens also? I, I didn't find any evidence of that. I suspect it might be the case in some industries. Right. Uh, particularly in e-commerce. So the kind of product side of this, this whole thing, which is a whole different can of worms actually. Right. I think that there is, there is kind of a, there are some market makers there. (laughs) They can make things happen 
Does your bad. does your book focus just on the um does it only focus on like the scammy side of the business or I mean, do you also help people understand how to deal with negative reviews? I'm just curious if that's something you cover in the book. Yeah, well, it, it covers the scammy side of the business in the context that you you have to understand how the game is being played. Right. And once once you know kind of who these different people are, they'll have less less power over you. The way forward from there is to to really kind of stab, put your foot in the ground, and say, "I'm going to." I know reviews matter to my business. Ninety plus percent of consumers are reading the reviews of my business, so I have to assume they matter. I want to do something to fix fix it or make the most of that opportunity. So what should we do as business owners and marketers when it comes to having some sort of a review that we think might be not legit? Might be Uh, suspicious. Yeah. I mean, is there some sort of recourse that we have or organization that we can appeal (laughs) to or how does that work? Wouldn't it be nice? Uh, Every site's a little bit different on that, on that front. The first thing I, I have uh, I always tell businesses is don't panic about it. Uh, you know, a negative review, even if it's fake, is not going to take your business down. It it just isn't. In fact, there's a case to be made and some research that would uh, support it that a bad review in the context of decent reviews around it, or even great reviews, helps to validate those good reviews. So it's kind of like a sandwich, right? Yeah, because like so, if if there's like 100 five star reviews and that's it, then people might right. question whether that's legit, right? Yeah, totally. And so if you know if if you've got a handful of good or decent or great reviews, and this one bad review happens, even if it's fake and you know it is, don't panic about it because it's it it is in fact not going to take your business down. That doesn't mean you don't do anything about it. So what can you do about it? Uh, it kind of depends on the platform. Uh, Yelp, they all make some tools available for remediation, but I'll tell you they're very bad at fulfilling the promise. (laughs) Uh, Yelp in particular of uh, kind of upholding the terms of service. Uh, And so you you have to really fight a battle with them. Uh, But the, there are some ways you can, you can kind of make them aware of, of suspicious circumstances around a review. Uh, You just have to be be mindful of what they would do with that information, what what information they need to find. I have kind of a whole section in there about uh, how to get the attention of the people who review those requests uh, and how to sort of make the most of that interaction because they're not, you know, they're not going to review 10 paragraphs of, of context they need to know. I remember uh, when my second book launch came out, um, I had pretty much all five-star reviews. And then all of a sudden this one guy put a one-star review and he was ultra critical of it. And I, you know, the good news about Amazon is you can click on their profile and you can see if they've written other book reviews and see if they're legit. And I could tell he was a real person. And the good news about Amazon is that at least allows you to respond. And in his particular case, I responded. And surprisingly, some of my customers responded and he decided to reread the book and change his review, uh, surprisingly, to a three-star review, which is better than a one-star. <laughs> so mm-hmm. is there some cases where we ought to engage in these kind of negative reviews? Um, yeah, I think every, every time it happens, you know, if it, even if you think it's negative, make your presence known there. Because what you experienced, it's exactly what you experienced that if, you know, another customer or another 
another reader of your book, they see that you took the time, even if this thing looks totally fabricated, right? they are even more likely to kind of jump on the bandwagon there and say, hey, you know what? He's right. What I think there's a good way and a wrong way to respond to negative criticism. Do you have any suggestions on how to do it so you don't look like a jerk? <laughs> yeah. Well, th- this is one of the hardest lessons I think people learn is 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 how do I how do I be angry in the context of a public forum like Yelp? Yeah. And how do I how do I say you're a fraud without being so perhaps confrontational about it? Uh, there there's this interesting method. Uh, it, it actually business owners probably suffer from this more than a larger business because they're so emotionally involved, right? I mean, this is like, this is my business. And you, how dare you threaten me or accuse right. me of doing something? Um, there's a, this guy, Wade Lombard, he runs a, a moving company in Austin, Texas. And he developed this kind of method for himself. He calls it stop, drop, and roll. And it, it, it's really just a reminder to step, step away, kind of take a mindfulness moment, breathe, think about what you need to say in this, in this interaction, maybe draft it. And if it's particularly an inflammatory situation, have somebody else look at it and weigh in and say, oh, I don't know if I would say that. And then you post it. It might, that you may, you know, kind of take an overnight, just uh, break or pause. And that is a really good method to use. And those, those really kind of heated moments, uh, it prevents you from jumping too deeply into the fray and getting yourself in, in even more trouble. Uh, and I think that that's a really good method that I, I, I think every business can, can learn from. I, um, you know, online reviews are not too far away from online comments on blogs and we get a lot of comments on social media examiner (laughs) and sometimes we get some really nasty ones. And, um, Generally speaking, one of the things that I use, depending on how, I mean, the good news with comments is you can delete them, but I generally don't because that can backfire on you. But one of the things that I like to do is uh, oftentimes I just say, I'm really sorry um, you felt that way, or I'm really sorry about your experience. Um, What can I do to make it right? Or what are your thoughts? You know, um, I'd love to make it right for you thoughts, you know, or whatever, kind of throwing the baton back at them. And, you know, because you have to realize, like you said earlier, this is public and it's out there and everyone is seeing it and watching it. Right. And when they see you respond to a bully or a jerk or someone who's just off the rails in a very polite fashion, it kind of it kind of like I think almost erases the negativism. Yeah, it's disarming. Yeah. To see someone take a rational sort of, you know, moment or yeah. turn, turn a hateful moment to a, just a rational. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, it can get, it, they can respond back negatively, but at least you chose to take a higher ground, yep. you know? And that takes a lot of discipline, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially if you're a fighter. a lot to a potential customer about, what they might expect from you as a business owner. Yeah. And it, that, that is probably one of the best long, long game things you can play is, is that, that sort of mentality. I'm, I'm here to be of service to my customers. And I, even, the, even the ones I, that irritate me, I take care of them. 
Well, Daniel, I know that we've just scratched the surface and I know that this is going to be one of those podcasts that people are going to come back to when they need it, you know? (laughs) Um, And I just want you to tell people where they can find your book. And first of all, um, Daniel's last name is L-E-M-I-N and uh, his book is called, well, I'm going to spell it M-A-N-I-P-U-R-A-T-E-D, Manipurated. Um, Where can they discover more about you, Daniel, and where can they get a copy of your book? Yeah, it, the book is available wherever people buy books, Amazon or local bookstores. And uh, it, uh, there's a bunch of information on the website, manipurated.com, spelled exactly uh, the way you just, you just described, <laughs> manipurated.com. Awesome. Daniel Lemon, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights with us. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you found value in today's podcast episode. If there was anything that we mentioned and you just didn't catch it because you're on the go, don't worry. We take all the notes for you at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 173 for episode 173. If you're new to the show, subscribe. Uh, That's how you're never going to miss a future episode of this show. And we've got some amazing content coming to you. And if you're not new to the show and you've been around for a while, would you do me a favor and let your friends know about the show? It's the best way that we grow. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.